This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Alex Smythe. A child's fear of the dark is fairly common. Their imagination of what can be seen is far more vivid than the actual reality. This is the plot for the animated fantasy film Orion and the Dark. And here's a clip from the trailer. At a school. My name's Orion, and I'm afraid. Afraid of what you want to know? It's most things to be candid. <gasps> Girls in general. Being responsible for my team losing. A ball bounces off his face. Giving the wrong answer in class. Richie Panici. Good night, Orion. In his bedroom. But all the things I'm afraid of. He sets up nightlights. They lose power. I'm most afraid of the dark. A smoky creature appears behind him. Using a flashlight, he turns. It's gone. <sighs> it reappears. Isn't that obvious? The room's dark. It's dark out. Hello, I'm dark. Of all the kids who are terrified, you are by far the loudest, the most obnoxious, and frankly, you're on a whole different level. You're keeping a list? Yes, I'm keeping a list. You know how many kids are afraid of me? You come watch me do my job for one night, and you'll finally see that I'm nothing to be afraid of. Are you in or are you in? I'm... They burst through the roof. (laughs) That was a clip from the Netflix animated movie Orion and the dark entertainment critic Amy Amanti from Vancouver has her review of the film. Hello, Amy. Good morning, Alex. How are you? I'm not too bad. So you hadn't hit play on an animated film in a while. So why did you choose this one to get back into that animated world? Well, um, I guess a part partly because I thought it was kind of cute when the trailer came up. But the other part of it is just because, you know, the challenge of trying to find something that's new um, is is just that. It's a challenge. There's not a lot of content um, that is, you know, brand, brand new. And so um, that was also a challenge. So this popped up in my feed as brand, brand new. And I thought, okay, well, let's uh, let's have a gander. So kind of twofold. And it's also original, too. That's something else to, to keep in mind. You can have a lot of new things, but it's not tied seemingly to any other kind of other work or something like that. This is something, a fresh original idea. So uh, this movie kind of been marketed as a few different genres from, from the animated side to the fantasy adventure and to comedy. So how well did it live up to those different genres that it was trying to fit in with? Well, I mean, definitely it lives up to animated because it is animated. Uh, But you're right, you know, the the more times that we see how a movie is marketed, they seem to keep adding genres to the list because I I think possibly this feels to me like, you know, when you, uh, you know, when you want to Google something that it helps with your um, search engine optimization, right? If you're like, I want to watch a comedy film, so this would come up, or I want to watch a fantasy, this would come, right? Uh, It's like the more, the more ways that they tag a film, the the more ways you can find it. So it's definitely an animated film. Comedy, yes, there's some lovely moments of wit and comedy in this. Fantasy, well, I mean, let's think about it. You know, dark comes alive. Does that happen in real life? Probably not. So is that a fantasy? 
Yeah, I mean, the thing about it is, is that, you know, they're combining a whole bunch of things here so that they can really um, take a wide audience range. Um, and I find that animated is has always done this um, to some degree. But um, when you consider, I don't know if you remember back in the days before some of these companies sort of combined together, but like Disney used to be a lot about having uh animated films specifically for children and then you had mm -hmm. the pixars that came out with animated films that sort of lent themselves more to um uh, a family or like like had had content in it that adults would find just as entertaining kind of like a a, a subliminal or a you know more of a mature joke that might uh, might go over a child's head but was really resonant to an adult um mm -hmm. so this kind of blends all of those kinds of things together so um you know if you were sitting and watching it with uh, you know your kids and your parents and your grandparents you know there'd be something for everybody in it well and a big part of uh a animated movie success all has to deal with the quality of the voiceover work because mm -hmm. you know it's a you have to rely even more on kind of selling these characters when um, as an actor you physically can't really uh, convey the same level of emotion because it's all animated so how engaging were these voiceover performances and and how much did they help bring these characters to life yeah and, and even you know alex the process of you know when you're on stage with other actors doing scene work together you know you you're in close proximity sometimes i shouldn't say sometimes but you know all sighted actors are, are tasked to do eye contact and all of that kind of stuff to create um engagement and connection between the performers right to make it feel as real and authentic as possible whether you're in a marvel movie or in a you know a movie that's you know about two people getting married or like you know something that's really close to re to reality um when you are recording voiceover stuff you're often alone in a studio by yourself it's not like they get all the characters together in a scene and you're in a room together in a studio you're all by yourself often recording uh, just the lines of your character and the person who perhaps might be feeding you the opposite lines if you even get that because oftentimes you just are recording your lines and nobody's reciprocating the lines on the other end it's very much a you know you're doing your big animated lines and they're going yeah uh-huh and they're responding like this and then you're doing your big animated lines and they're responding like this right so your your scene partner is not a trained actor giving you anything uh so you have to really sort of have a different level of skill to be able to do that. So I found the voices to be very engaging. One of the fun things for me about animated films in general is trying to see if I can recognize mm. the voices of famous people when I listen to them or to, um, uh, because sometimes they obscure their voices, right? They manipulate them and sometimes they don't. It just depends on, you know, like Jim Carrey is classic at this, right? Depends on what kind of character they're doing. And I actually thought that the voice of Dark, who we uh, heard in this clip, was yeah. Seth Rogen. He sounded so much like Seth Rogen to me. Are, are you saying I saying it's not Seth Rogen? Because that was my exact thought. I was going to say uh, my 100% my guess is Seth Rogen is the voice of Dark, but it's not Seth Rogen? It's not. Have you got any other oh. guesses? Ooh, not Seth Rogen. Geez. Uh, no. I I have no idea uh, who is it. Paul Walker Hauser. I don't even recognize who that is. Un unfortunately, the name does not ring a bell. Um, but no, uh, no. The, look, 
and, and so like this is uh like as you say it, it's that fun it's like kind of discovering it's like who yeah. is it or it's like you you know they have that certain cadence or tone that just like kind of rings in your ear and you just start thinking it's like i know that voice from something yes. i yes. i'm so familiar yeah so uh what about some of the other uh, uh characters were there other famous voices or or other uh kind of people whether they're being a bit more natural in their voice or a bit more of that manipulation were there other kind of key actors and voices in this uh movie yeah i mean the only one that i was able to recognize was angela bassett because i've heard mm -hmm. her voice a thousand times and she plays um the character sweet dreams um so it was lovely to to go oh i know that voice i know that voice um <laughs> but then you know there are lots of other like really talented voices ike barinholtz um didn't recognize okay. his voice but certainly like know his name and um, would have, uh, you know, recognized his, probably his persona had he been in person um, somewhere. Uh, Colin Hanks, um, which is Tom Hanks's son, not a voice I'm overly familiar with, but certainly know the name. And Jacob Tremblay um, plays our young Colin, uh, sorry, our young or Orion, and um, not a voice I recognize uh, right away either. But again, a name that's big and you know, and has been yeah. in movies. So um, yeah, some big players in this particular film. Oh, and I, I wonder too if there's a bit of that uh, freedom for those types of actors where you say like, yeah, like, you know, the, the three you listed, you would recognize them, you would see them in a, a, a film or a TV show and be like, oh, well, that's Ike Barinholtz, oh, that's Jacob Tremblay, oh, that's Colin Hanks. But because maybe their voice is a bit less familiar, it gives them a bit of a freedom and blank slate to, to kind of work with and kind of show off their, their talent and ability and let people maybe rediscover. It's like, oh, I really like this voice or this character. It's like, oh, wait, it's this person I already knew. Like it kind of may change that perspective or, or perception of what the actor can do. Yeah, absolutely it does. There's sort of a little um, anonymity there for some, you know, so to speak. Um, so actors can play, um, you know, there's all sorts of things that you can do with your voice when you get cast in a, in a, a piece like this. And certainly the character of Dark and the character of Sweet Dreams are these animated fantasy characters. Jacob uh, Tremblay and Colin Hanks are voicing, you know, a human animated character. And so their voices are gonna be less sort of extreme, right, and more, realistic in tone and quality. So I don't think that they did a lot of um, manipulation of their voices, but still, you know, if they were in certain, a TV sitcom, you might recognize them more than you would in an animation thing. But the other thing about animation that's interesting is that these, um, once you know who these voices are, once you recognize them, you start to go, huh, there is a persona of this character that takes on who the actor is. And so even this, mm. um, uh, Paul Walker Hauser, who is not a uh, an actor that I'm overly familiar with. Um, I looked up some of the movies he's in, and yes, I know these movies, but they were never movies that I saw. Um, he is very much like a Seth Rogen in his sort of body shape and size and beard and all that kind of stuff. And so Dark has a big sort of chunky body and, you know, moves a little uh, pokey and lumberly and right. So they start to take on these personas of the actors and a part of me wonders if you know once they cast their characters if sometimes they um like cast their voices sometimes they start to manipulate the way that the characters might be drawn just a little bit certainly i know that in facial expressions so you know um young orion the way he's um uh drawn or animated might take on some of the facial features of uh of what Dr uh, jacob tremblay looks like when he talks, right? So mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, one hand works with the other. And I think that that's a really beautiful way of combining the artwork. 
And so how was the audio description on the movie? You know, audio description and animated films, I always find to be a little bit challenging, especially mm -hmm. in the fantasy adventure genre, because you have like dark is not a real life character friends right so you know he's going to be doing things flying and stretching and all sorts of things that like typical humans can't do and so audio description really has to fit in really fast between lines of dialogue things that you're you may not like moves and 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 actions that you may be unfamiliar with um because the human body doesn't do that kind of movement right um so sometimes i find that they over describe things to try and make it um, you know, just trying to describe every moment. They did this a lot with the Incredibles and how they stretched and, you know, conformed their their body in these really, really eccentric ways. And I was like, okay, that's just like too much pretzeling for me to try and imagine. Um, and so in some ways they did a little bit of that, but overall, I think it was a really nice, um, the, the description was really nice and, and kind of keeping me with the storyline um, and keeping me in the world of dark, and Orion together because Orion is scared of everything right and goes on this journey with Dark for one 24-hour meets his friends who are sweet dreams and all the people all of the characters that help you help you or don't help you uh, when you're asleep at night just to kind of quell his fears a little bit does it work or not I'm not going to give that away but um but that's kind of the idea of the film and so he's gotta he's gotta figure out how to get over his fears a little bit and, and so Dark helps and so that. Amy uh, we, we have to get out of here, but uh, before yep. we do, I quickly want to know, should folks uh, press play on this one? Yeah, I say absolutely press, press play on this one. It's cute, it's sweet, it has a lovely message to it, and families can watch it together and everybody will get something out of it. Awesome. Amy, thank you so much for this. We'll chat again soon. Sounds good, Alex. Thank you. That was AMI Entertainment critic Amy Amanti in Vancouver, BC, and she reviewed Orion and the Dark on Netflix. In one minute, Laura Bain shares the entertainment report and all about Usher and the Super Bowl and the halftime. But first, before we get to any of that excitement, the EV revolution is making waves in the boating industry. Here's reporter Mike Dubusky with Tech Trends. From ABC News, Tech Trends. As the auto industry negotiates the transition away from gasoline, the boating world is taking notes. One of the great things is we're benefiting from all that hard work and research and technology that's being developed for auto is starting to come into boats. Larry Russo is a boat dealer with Marine Max. He says some boats are beginning the transition to electric power with their auxiliary functions. So a lot of our larger boats now would have a gas or a diesel power, uh, diesel fuel generator in them to run air conditioning, electricity, anything you run with a, you know, a household type appliance. And now we're seeing uh, battery power instead or as an option. But electric propulsion for boats is a different proposition with current EV boats limited to smaller leisure vessels. We have some fully electric boats, tend to be smaller powered boats uh, with limited range. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubusky, ABC News. Thank you very much, Mike. Now, there was a lot that happened at the Super Bowl yesterday beyond just the game itself. And Laura Bain is here to recap all the entertainment news from the event. Hello again, Laura. 
Hi, Alex. And yeah, uh, one of the things, of course, that people are talking about this morning is Usher's halftime show. I had mentioned on Friday that he asked for an extra two minutes beyond what performers normally get. And he certainly used that doing like a medley of his some of his big hits and bringing out lots of guests, including Ludacris, Little John. Lots of people had predicted that. Alicia Keys, who I think is absolutely fantastic. And we have a little clip of the halftime show show to play for folks this morning. So, you know, I'd heard some negative comments before watching this. I, I didn't watch the Super Bowl last night, as, as lots of people who watch this show will know. But um, I did uh, watch the halftime show this morning, and I'd heard some negative comments about it, that it was a little bit too chaotic and maybe had a lot going on. So perhaps that set the bar low for my expectations, but I was really blown away. You know, I was impressed. I thought it had a very Vegas vibe to it, which is certainly appropriate for the location. Location. And I also thought the level of dancing and singing at the same time was really impressive as an athletic feat. No, he didn't sound perfect on every note, but he was really moving, even being on roller skates at one point and obviously not lip syncing. But Alex, when we connected this morning, I had the feeling you were a little less impressed. Is that the case? It, it's not that I, I was less impressed. I, I was very impressed. What he was able to do you mentioned it's just all the choreography the dancing the singing the costume change i think he probably had about like four or five costume changes and wardrobe changes throughout his set it was more just the idea of usher as the halftime performer in general because you know he you mentioned some of the the guests that he had on the collabs that he had on the fact is usher is not exactly a lot of his music is is fantastic but it's not meant to pump you up in the same way as other performers from the past and i think it was really evident when you had little john doing turn down for what as like a t for yeah to end the show because he usher doesn't have that kind of song to pump you up other than yeah and you didn't want to give it away before the ending so you have one of your uh, collaborators come on do one of his own songs so to get the uh, the fans pumped up so you can uh, kind of knock them down with the uh, at the end so I, I thought that was kind of a bit telling that they had that overall still very entertaining lots of fun very visual very exciting like you're kind of seeing like people on rollerblades just dancing there was there were poles that were on there were like contortionists there was so much happening it was really impressive really fit the vegas vibe yeah oh absolutely and i might just have to default to your wisdom there on uh, how it fits with other halftime shows or the overall vibe of the game because of course i was watching it in isolation so uh yeah harder to get a read on that now something else that people were talking about was taylor swift uh leading up to the game she was there of course cheering on travis kelsey and there was lots of speculation would there perhaps be a proposal would she maybe get up and and perform somehow but None of those things happened. I felt like there really wasn't a ton of big Taylor news this morning, other than that they did have a kiss to celebrate the Kansas City Chiefs win. Um, now, Travis Kelsey did sing a little bit. He did Viva, he sang Viva Las Vegas. It was uh, really, really terrible, but uh, I guess you have to let him off the hook. He had just 
just play the game. And of course, the other big news out today about what happened at the Super Bowl was Beyonce and announcing new music uh, and a new album coming out. This was after a setup of a Verizon commercial where she's trying to break the internet doing different things. I kind of enjoyed that commercial um, and nothing's working. And then she says, okay, they're ready, drop the new music. And then she uh, immediately went ahead and released two new tracks. And as I say, announced a new album. And we have one of those tracks to play Texas Hold'em. This ain't Texas. Okay, okay, okay. I'm I'm getting behind this one. You know, it's uh, got Texas Hold'em. It's got a bit of that country twang, that vibe. You know, it's got you kind of into. It's not necessarily her 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 classic stuff, but hey, I'm into it so far, Laura. Yeah, uh, me too. And same thing. Sixteen Carriages is the other track that she released. Uh, very country vibe, and she's wearing a, a cowboy hat on both of the kind of art for these singles. So I think we can expect a country album. And I'm really curious to see how Beyonce might top some of the country charts over the next few months or might uh, take home some country music association awards uh, next year. So yeah, I think it's really cool. But uh, I, I don't want to feed into this. I'll say there is <laughs> kind of this rivalry that's out there between Taylor Swift and Beyonce, which is, you know, largely media generated and probably rooted in misogyny that we just can't handle two successful female performers at once. But, um, you know, so I say this a little bit like tongue in cheek here, but some people are saying that Taylor really stole the show at the Grammys by announcing her new album. And I'm seeing a lot of that this morning about Beyonce, people saying that maybe she even overshadowed the halftime show or kind of, you know, stole the Super Bowl by making this announcement. But I do just kind of want to ask you this question in fun today. Who had the bigger, more epic announcement, do you think? Was it uh, Taylor at the Grammys or was it Beyonce at the Super Bowl? Well, the one challenge is with uh, watching the uh, the Super Bowl in Canada, you didn't get all the commercials, so you didn't see the Beyonce commercial. For that very reason alone, and the fact that they still kept cutting to Taylor Swift during the Super Bowl itself, and only I only remember really seeing Beyonce in the stands once, I'm going to say Taylor Swift for that very reason. Now, that's not to say that uh, fans aren't excited about Beyonce. I just think this is kind of Taylor's year. Everyone's been kind of caught up in it, and it's, she's kind of hard to beat, and it's on the tip of everyone's tongue. What about you, Laura? Oh, see, I thought Beyonce had it for sure. I thought that was epic with the commercial and then the tracks coming out. But, yeah. you know, I hadn't thought of that angle of not seeing the commercials. And again, probably that comes down to me not watching it live. And I did watch <laughs> it like this morning, the clips of that commercial. And I thought, oh, this was um, absolutely. But that was an angle I hadn't thought of. So I'm going to give it to Beyonce. You're going to give it to Taylor. But either way, both of them extremely uh, successful right now, which is good to see. Agree to disagree. That's how I like it. Laura, thank you so much. Have yourself a wonderful day. Yeah, thanks, Alex. You too. And that was Laura Bain, entertainment reporter in Halifax. Coming up after the break, the Super Bowl talk continues as Brock Richardson stops by with the sports report to recap all the action. You're watching now with Dave Brown on AMI.
Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.